You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. You probably already know this, but there are plenty of examples throughout history of questionable medical practices that somehow work their way into being common knowledge. For instance, drilling holes into the skull to alleviate headaches, or selling heroin over the counter, even to children, just to treat a cough, or using ketchup for, well, many symptoms not involving french fries, let's just say that. So to hear that the Romans had similarly questionable methods of dental hygiene in the heyday of their empire shouldn't be all that surprising. It began right around the year 1 AD, though the actual point of origin isn't known, and perhaps it's one of those things best left unknown. One of those who-was-the-first-to-do-it questions that we don't really want to know the answer to. But around that time, Romans started figuring out the cleansing qualities of decomposing urine. You see, when urine, human or otherwise, by the way, decomposes, it becomes ammonia, which has some pretty intense cleansing qualities. It's an industrial stain remover, after all, and has been used to treat stains of all kinds, from clothing to, well, teeth. This practice became so commonplace that Roman authors like Catullus freely attested to how his teeth retained such whiteness from regular application of both human and animal urine. As they say, if you've got it, flaunt it, right? As long as you don't care exactly how you got it, I guess. You would think that such a product would be easy enough to come by in most densely populated places on the planet at the time, and for the most part, it was easy enough. For one, throughout Rome, there were public jars where citizens could relieve themselves, and those jars would then be collected until fully decomposed into ammonia, at which point it would be resold to the Roman public as a tool for better dental hygiene. Apparently, though, that wasn't enough urine for the high society of Romans, eager to keep their teeth white and shining. During the reign of Emperor Nero, Rome began to import jars of urine from the Portuguese, because nothing says culture like imported jars of pee. In fact, it was such a popular import that Nero placed a tax on all jars, requiring citizens to chalk up a little extra for Caesar if they wanted to indulge in the cleansing benefits of what they could just produce in jar themselves. While Nero is known for his share of atrocities, and is widely regarded as one of the worst Roman emperors of all time, perhaps the strangest addendum to his resume is being the first Roman emperor to put a tax on pee. It didn't take long for anyone boasting pearly white teeth to bear the insults of the common folk. Thus began the saying, you're full of piss. Because, well, there was only one way to get such white teeth at the time, and it wasn't through laser whitening or bleaching at least not bleaching as we know it. 
And let's take a moment to mention that these jars were often watered down with either water or goat's milk. So the density of urine might not have been that high, but that doesn't take the primary cleaning ingredient out of it. And we all know by now what that ingredient was. This wasn't a fad. The Romans gave us all kinds of lasting inventions. The aqueduct, for instance, or the postal service. But being the first to discover the cleansing quality of urine didn't end in the Roman days. Urine was a mainstay in mouthwash for almost 20 more centuries, only being phased out in the 1700s. But hey, if decomposed urine isn't your thing, there have been other bizarre things used as mouthwash as well. Maybe next time I'll tell you all about the many uses of tortoise blood. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. As a famous paranormal exterminator once said, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe everything happens for a reason. To some, being in the right place at the right time isn't a matter of happenstance. It was meant to be. The direction we lead in life, they say, isn't by chance. Someone made it happen, whether that be our own design or that of a higher power. Whatever your belief, though, you have to admit that some things that occur just can't be explained. And when everything lines up just right, the impossible often becomes possible. On the evening of April 14th of 1865, President Abraham Lincoln and his wife arrived at Ford's Theater for a performance of the comedy play Our American Cousin. Lincoln had an unsettling dream only days before, in which the president had been killed by an assassin, and despite his own misgivings about attending the show, he chose to do so anyway. 
At 10.15 p.m., actor and Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth entered the presidential box and fired a single shot at the back of Lincoln's head. The wound eventually killed him and sent the nation into mourning. Booth escaped after jumping from the box onto the stage. He was apprehended weeks later. Meanwhile, arrangements had to be made for the president's funeral. Lincoln's body lay in state in the White House several days later where the public could come and visit. A funeral was held on April 19th, and crowds gathered from all over to pay their respects, after which throngs of mournful Americans followed the casket to the Capitol. Finally, the late president was loaded onto a funeral train bound for Oak Ridge Cemetery in Illinois. Lincoln may have been born in Kentucky, but he had always considered Springfield, Illinois his home. However, before the train reached its destination, it had to make several stops, hundreds, in fact, to allow the grieving public along the way to pay their respects. It passed through Baltimore, Maryland, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, on April 21st, followed by a stop for a few days in Philadelphia. After that, New York City came next. Lincoln's casket was paraded down Broadway at around 2 p.m. on August 25th. Mounted police led the procession, with military generals close behind. Roughly 11,000 American soldiers marched as well, while various local groups and organizations made up the crowds along the sidewalks. Masons, laborers, parents and children dressed in black clamored to get a view of Mr. Lincoln's coffin as it made its way down the avenue. Meanwhile, residents of the homes and mansions along Broadway leaned out of their windows to watch the event, including an elderly couple and their grandchildren. A photo taken from a high vantage point beyond the parade managed to capture the occasion, preserving the image of the people marching down the street, as well as the sea of mourners on the sidelines. And in the top left of the photo, peeking out from a second-story window of someone's home, the photographer caught a curious onlooker. One of those rare, right-place-right-time moments I mentioned earlier. He was a small boy of only seven years old, the grandchild of an elderly couple who lived there. He had come with his brother for a visit and to witness the president's hearse go by. The boy was a native New Yorker, born on East 20th Street in Manhattan to wealthy parents in 1854. As that adventurous young man grew older, he joined the U.S. Army, then became a cattle rancher out west, before returning to New York to enter the world of politics. He worked his way up through the New York State Assembly, to the Board of Police Commissioners, the governorship, until finally becoming the 25th President of the United States. Yes, the little boy who watched Abraham Lincoln's funeral procession from a New York City window was none other than Theodore Roosevelt. Like I said, right place, right time. And for one brief moment, two presidents were within feet of each other under the most surreal of circumstances. Coincidence? Perhaps. But at the very least, it was more than a little curious. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.